Hello there. Welcome along to the podcast Sport and Life. It is Wednesday, July the 14th, 2021. Thank you for hitting on the button. If you're English, hopefully you've recovered by now from the heartache, the anxiety, the drama, and ultimately the defeat against Italy. But still positive, isn't there? Reflect on it a few days out that England have reached the second major international football tournament, which maybe they should have done better historically, but it's still a landmark. Anyway, thank you for being here. Thank you to the sponsors, Bang Olufsen of Cheltenham and Serene AV, who are specialists in some of the finest home entertainment brands, providing solutions based around high quality customer service and installations housed in the courtyard in the picturesque Montpellier. Always stressed, not only is it the fine Bang Olufsen equipment that you can get from Bang Olufsen Cheltenham, but through Serene AV, they will source and design a bespoke home entertainment solution, whatever you're looking for, if it's big screens, audio equipment, basically whatever fits your vision and your budget, because through Serene AV, they can source different brands, not just Bang Olufsen, but Jason Briggs and his team get in touch with them. I'm playing with Jason under the umbrella, I think, of Bang Olufsen Cheltenham charity football tournament this coming weekend on Saturday in Gloucester down the road so look forward to that sort of look forward to that it's going to be uh, I think non-stop seven aside football for about four hours so I may need some recovery time after that we shall see I'm going to the pool the Lido in Cheltenham afterwards so with my little girls hopefully that'll be a bit of a recovery session for me hopefully I still won't be too dehydrated or worn out or muscles exploding all over the place in my 41st year now turning 40 in the summer but look forward to that with those guys and also if you are looking to optimize your immunity as we get out and about with coronavirus and other bugs still kicking around then we have an association with the podcast with a, as a family the drapers with a company called cytoplan food-based supplement company just up the road in welland hanley swan area just outside of Malvern in the west of england and food based means that basically the supplements are designed to be like food digested that way and you can get a 30 percent discount up front 10 percent thereafter with the code draper 10r so it's my last name d-r-a-p-e-r all capital letters the numerals one zero and the capital letter r right thank you for tuning into the podcast Good one coming up. Michael Duff, first man to lead Cheltenham to the League Two title, which is the fourth division, the fourth tier of English football, if you're not familiar with it, if you're listening from abroad or elsewhere. But Michael, as a player, had a kind of, and made a name for himself in association with promotions, played in all eight leagues, ascending up to the Premier League, where he represented Burnley with some distinction. And this is his first proper management job after coaching in the Burnley Youth Ranks and Academy and he is uh, now making great strides. Cheltenham won the title in League Two last year, going up to League One for, I think, the third time in their history. And uh, it starts against Crew Alexander Alexandra on August the 7th. So really grateful for Michael as he gets through pre-season, trying to sign players, probably trying to fend off other clubs from some of his best players as well. That He came around for a cup of coffee and a chat a little bit earlier. So here he is, the one and only Michael Duff. <laughs> Michael Duff, great to see you. Sat in my back garden. I'm hoping that helicopter doesn't go over again anytime soon. Um, but how are you doing? You're a few weeks into pre-season now, you said. Yeah, yeah, I'm good. Uh, the players are fit. Um, they come back in unbelievable shape, to be fair to them. It's probably the challenge of going up a league is giving them more motivation, more drive to get fit and come back stronger in, a, in another league. But 
As far as uh, me, I've managed to get myself in the gym a couple of times this week for the first time in a long time. So yeah, feeling good. You're feeling good. So is, you just suddenly got that feeling. That I think we, we, I saw you outside an eatery in Cheltenham, and you were just saying it was. You felt like it was time to get active again after after a couple of years after you finished playing. It was not great. Every time I bump into you, I've got a pint and a pizza in front of me. So. <laughs> well, you said that, not me. I was going uh, <laughs> Yeah. So no, it's it's one thing I've learned from last year. Well, I'm, what am I now? I'm two and a half years in now, and the first two and a half years, I'm not giving any time to me. Mm. So I've, I've just boxed off an hour a day. and I, I won't necessarily go into the gym, but just to do something that I want to do. Um, because you speak to a lot of people, and I am still new to it, but you, you're fully aware that you can burn out pretty quickly. So it's just... Mm. Um, so, yeah, me and a couple of staff members having a bit of a... See who can lose the most weight in the next months. But it's a little bit of competition, so it motivates you to get out of... Who are you up, who are you up against, then? Uh, well, Gav, the physio, and... Uh, Dan, the goalie coach, he snapped his Achilles, so he's put a bit of weight on uh, uh, in the last in the last nine months. So yeah. it's, it's and once you turn it into a bit of comp- competition, it gets the juices flowing again. It's like, right, I need to go <laughs> in the gym and hurt myself today. I've got a reason to do it. Whereas before, it's just like I can't be bothered. So how much have you lost so far? Oh, not a lot. No. <laughs> no, I only started two weeks ago. Yeah, good. Yeah. My wife's doing the uh, fasting two days a week. Dr. Michael Mosley does a lot of TV shows. She's she 800 calories two days a week, and then sort of normal the rest. And she's lost. Lost a weight, lot of weight. It's a good meals, but 800 calories isn't a lot, especially if you're out on a training no, ground doing stuff. It's, 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 it, for me, it's not rocket science. It's like stop putting your hand in your mouth as often and put your one foot in front of the other a little bit more. Yeah. So you know, I, I'm, I won't be doing any sort of fad diets or, or it's, it's like I say, it's more mental than anything else. Just to uh, just get back into a, a sort of routine of mentally looking after yourself as well as physically. Do you ever take part in training? No. No. Did you ever, when you were with Burnley's youth team, did you ever do that? Occasionally. Um, I'll join in the boxes, you know, yeah. the, the part of the warm-up, because it's only 10 by 10. <laughs> but it's, for me, it, it's irrelevant whether I was a good player or a bad player. So mm. they, don't need to know, they don't need to know whether I was a good player or a bad player. Just for your own exercise, in a way? No, it's, I, I deliberately don't, um, because it's not what I, can, what, what I could have done or what I can do still. Yeah. It's what I can get them to do. Yeah. So every now and again you'll step in and you do a demonstration and go, oh, you can still kick it every now and again. <laughs> but yeah, I, I deliberately don't join in because it's not about me, it's about them. Yeah, I suppose it's as well, it's, you're talking about getting back into exercise now, it's quite a shift when you go from being a player to a manager in that sense because if you're not taking part in the drills, it's quite a sedentary lifestyle, can't it? it can be because you're, you're tethered to a desk half the day. Well, it's, you can't get out of the building. Mm. Someone always wants something, particularly at our level. So even if you do, it's like you get a phone call from an agent or our director of football rings or a staff member goes oh can I have a word or someone in the academy says oh can I and by the time it's it's half past six, six, six o'clock I know a lot of people do go to the gym but it's mentally draining yeah so it's like <laughs> so now I've like I said I've set myself aside so if anyone does say oh gaffer or, or, or no no I'll speak to you in an hour okay so, so you, put, you put a designated time yeah yeah just just mid-afternoon mm. um, I'm too lazy to get up in the morning and do it. <laughs> um, so it's it, it's sort of like just we kick starts me for the for the rest of the day evening sort of thing so it's um i'm only two weeks in but i'm enjoying it well it's interesting you're talking about degree in football management before we started recording and, and how that's a lot of that's about human interaction i suppose that is the balance you're striking there between being open to the people at, at the club various levels but also looking after yourself a little bit because you could get my dad's a doctor it's obviously a different thing but he gets swamped sometimes 12 hours of seeing patients your brain just starts to fry after a while and you've, you've not got that energy to give people yeah well exactly that and 
I'm taking, I'm giving my energy to sometimes things that don't need me. Mm. But when you first come in, you, you want to be seen to be doing everything. And you know, I've realised now I can take a day off, and the football club's still going to run. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's just like you said, it's getting that life balance. And I haven't had it in the last two years. Yeah. Um, and probably family have probably suffered off the back of that. Not suffered, but um, I don't give them the time that they probably deserve. So now it's a case of right, just trying to be a bit more balanced in my approach because the culture's now set at the football club. Yeah. So I don't need to worry every day about everything that's going on mm. because now roles are set within certain departments. So I don't need to be involved in if Gav's taken a the physio if he if he's doing something with a couple of the players. I don't need to know what he's doing because mm. I trust him. Yeah. So that that that's it's taken a couple of years to get it to that point, and that's not me taking an eye off the ball. It's like you said, it's getting a balanced a balanced approach of what's important and what's not. And the senior players now sort of create the culture as well for any new newcomers. You don't yeah, they, need to do yeah, that. Yeah, they absolutely they've driven it now. It's so uh, we do need to be careful who we do bring in. Mm. But I'm pretty confident if someone came in and tried to push the boundaries, they get put in the place pretty quickly <laughs> um, because the group is so tight. The strength of our group is the group. Yeah. There's no, absolutely no doubt about that. I, I actually spoke to a manager yesterday um, who, who was in League Two and he was, talking about, he was talking about our group and I said to him, I said, you know, I'm, I'm new to this but I've been in football a long time. I could be a manager for 20 years and I might not get another group as good as this. Wow. So I, I totally appreciate where they are and what they bring. Yeah. Um, but they've had a little bit of success along the way as well. So it's you know it's it's one's driven the other and it's got us to a point where we just won the league. And you've brought yeah, I mean, congratulations. I know I've said congratulations to you uh, personally already, but it's an amazing achievement for the first time in the club's history to win League Two. But you've probably got now what most of the players there, ones that you've brought in. Is that how it would be fair? Yeah, um, that was we were always going to get judged on last year. Mm. So anyone that was at the football club last year was because I wanted them there. So when I first came in, there were people on on two year contracts. So that that first eighteen months. So it was always going to be last season that I was going to get judged on. So fortunately, it went quite well. <laughs> it did really um, well. But sometimes you don't get that. You don't get that. Uh, you don't get the time. Mm. You don't get that time to to build. And you know, there's, that's the saying in football. You've got you've got to win enough games to buy buy enough time. So you have got long term and short term happening all the time together, Absolutely. haven't they? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I did it as a player. I think most people should do it. It's, you know, you've got to have a short term goal, medium term goal, long term goal. And once you've hit one, you reassess. Mm. Um, you know, the first time goal was when I first came in is don't get relegated. Yeah, that that was absolutely the only thing that was told, said in my interview by the board was we don't care how you <laughs> do it or what you do, we can't afford to get relegated. So, yeah, and that was that. Now I, I don't think the long-term goal was to get promoted to win the league. That sort of just happened. Yeah. Um, cause I'll be honest. When I, when I first took the job, did I think I could get Cheltenham promoted? No. Mm. Based on the size of the club, the budget, but I took the job because they're a, a good club. I've got an affiliation with it. They're not historically a sacking club, so I wanted to get given a chance. Yeah. And then try and play decent football, try and implement a culture, try and develop a couple of players, and you might get a chance moving on off the back of that. Yeah. Um, now, we've had two successful seasons, so it's it's gone better than anyone could have imagined. Yeah. Do you feel pressure because of that? Is it strange? Because it's, it's gone so well, more better than everyone else thought, because people always talk about football, don't they? Creating expectations for yourself. Yeah, you can definitely become a victim of your own success. Because you know, we finished 16th in the first year. We could have finished 14th the year before. We could have finished 10th last year. And it's like, oh, God, he's making progress. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then you finish bottom of the league next year. And it's like, well, you still, yeah, you've still just been relegated into League Two. But you'd imagine it would be a stronger, better club for it. So 
I'm fully aware of the, the pitfalls of, of having a little bit of success, but it's just another opportunity. Like I said, the, t the, the, the group are tight, they, they're motivated. They want to recreate history again at, at our football club. We've never won the league, so we've mm. just done that. We've never been up promoted automatically. Obviously, we've just done that. The club have never finished above 17th in League One in their history. That's the highest ever position. So, so is that the goal? Well, I've not actually sat down with the players yet. We will. Yeah. Um, you know, the first couple of weeks is just getting their heads down, and but we will have a chat about well, what is, what is the common goal? Last mm. year it was obvious. We got beat in the playoffs. It's like well, we want to get promoted. Yeah. This year it might be, some people might want to just survive. Some people might think so. It's getting. You need to find out what the common goal of the group is, and then tide it up and get everyone's noses repointing the so same you, direction. So you agree with? their goal do you if what they say to you or do you say no 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 you can do better than that you no can... there needs to be a balance yeah. there needs to be a balance because I'm, I'm forever saying it it's, and that's what they've really taken on is you know you hear the saying oh if you reach for the stars you might reach the moon mm. if you've, well, a lot of nonsense <laughs> it's, it's got to be it's got to be authentic if you're going to do something yeah. you've got to be prepared to do it every day yeah. and don't just hope for something because it won't, it won't happen so you think they have to what believe what the goal is that it's possible? It needs to be achievable, but they need to be prepared to do it every day. Yeah. And that, then when you talk about, it's, it is a buzzword, but when you talk about the culture, if you watch our lads warm up, every day they warm up properly. Yeah. Because it's just part of the work. There's, you know, for some football clubs, and the warm up is like, it gets in the way. Mm. You see people just jogging around, you see the snoods up over there, literally you can't see yeah. them. Um, because they're not prepared to do the hard yards. Yeah, so and the warm-up's physical as, men as uh, mental as well as physical. Yeah, it's tuning yeah. in for your session. Yeah. So it's like, well, we want them properly tuned in for when they come to us. Hmm. So they do a passing drill in the warm-up. Well, if they don't go through it sloppy, and then they'll start the session sloppy. It's like, well, you should have ducked that out of you in the warm-up. Yeah. And it's just having that, um, having that commitment to go, to, to, to give everything you can. Mm. And it's, you know, we've all... We've all done it. We've all talked about diets earlier. We've oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Well, if it's unachievable and it's not sustainable, yeah, you'll fail. Yeah. So it's, it's if it involves four hours of cooking a day or something like that, yeah. Well, this is it. It mm. needs to be needs to be realistic. It needs to be achievable, and that's you know I don't think. But once you chunk it down into every day, yeah. So last year, at the start of the season, you just said to me or any of the lads, "Well, we're going to win the league. Come on!" <laughs> and then, you know, but. And I don't w think any was that the goal last year after you've missed out in the playoffs? No, the, the the goal was to get in the top seven. Yeah, and then to see where that took us. But we but we don't we, we, we chunk it down. So it's every day, it's every training session, it's every forty five minutes at a time. Mm. And then it's amazing what where it can take you. So, so you, you have to reassess that goal as you go through the season, and suddenly you see yourself in the top three. Well, yeah, and it's obviously once they see the results and things start going well, this is this is going well, right? We'll keep doing that and get better at this and get tighter and self-discipline off the pitch so we, you know, we've worked with some lads in the Marines and there's a saying in the Marines is it's, it's not what you do at the training ground we've got them for four, four or five hours a day Yeah. so what they, what they're doing for the other 19, 20 hours of the day mm. it's alright great doing it in front of everyone else but it's the work in the shadows mm. so when they go home they can eat breakfast at the club really healthily they can eat really healthily at, the, uh, at lunch mm. they can train for a couple of hours really well then they can go home and eat pizza <laughs> Drink 15 pints, yeah. stay up late, sit on the <laughs> Xbox till three in the morning. But it's pointless. So you've undone all the hard work. Is that the difference between the, going up the levels when you when you played? I know there's obviously people say talent and technique is a difference, but do you think that mentality, that sort of dedication? Yeah, 100. percent And again, it's a, it's an old saying, but it's just, it's talent that gets you in the room. Mm. But it's mentality that makes a career. Yeah. So, you know, we've all known people at whatever line of work they're in, the people are just natural naturally gifted. Mm. But if they don't have any work ethic or a strong mentality. They they just sort of like. 
wilted Idle. away. Yeah, just, yeah, you know, almost like butterflies. They just flit around. Stagnate everywhere. a bit. Yeah. Um, so no, it's it's getting them, and again, they they trust each other now. They trust each other that if I'm going to live my life clean, and I'm going to stay in on that Saturday night when there's a game on Tuesday, mm. I think there's a trust within the group that three of my mates aren't going to let me down. Yeah. They're going to be they're going to be doing the same as I am because our common goal is we want to do this. And then have a have a social when there's a good opportunity to do it. Mm. So you get the yeah, team, I think, work, team um, bonding. Oh boy, with an old story. So I think I think his name was John Neighbour. I mm. might I might have got this wrong, but I got told this story a long time ago, and it was basically he was a swimmer in the seventies in the Olympics, and he finished four seconds behind the leader. Yeah. So four seconds in in an Olympic swimming event, you might as well not turn up. Yeah. So apparently he was going to retire. So he was going to retire, but his family and his coach decided to, no, no, come on, have one more go. So rather than, he's like, well, I'm four seconds away, I might as well be a lap behind. Yeah. Um, so they, they broke it down. They said, right, we'll give you Christmas Day off. Um, so 364 days a year times four. So four divided by whatever that number is. Yeah. Works out, I think it's something like 0.018 or something like that. Yeah. So every day... He had to get 0.0. I don't know what the numbers are, but it's 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 real fractions of a second. So it's kind of like the, the length of a hand away or something from touching the. But he had to do ball. that every day. Yeah. And if he skipped a few days, he wouldn't make the time up. And the famous story is that he actually won the gold medal four years later. Wow, it's amazing. So it's funny you say that because I had a guy on the podcast called David Karasek, who was a Swiss Olympic swimmer in 2012 in London. He's now a psychology coach for pro athletes, different sports, but he. He actually gives himself a hard time because I said to him, "Is something like that nature nurture?" Because you look at Michael Phelps, everyone should talk about his height and the size of his hands. And he said, "No." In retrospect, if I believed I could have done it, then I, pro- I probably could have done it because people are beating Michael Phelps' time now, and they're not. They haven't got the same wingspan, the same feet size, or whatever it is, hand size. So it's quite interesting that nature nurture thing, isn't it? And how you approach it. Yeah, absolutely. But like you said, if, if he if he'd gone, "Oh, come on, I can do it," but he hadn't gone all in, no, and he and he didn't commit to doing whatever he had to do to make up that time every day. Yeah, if he has he has two weeks off, if he skips two weeks out of four years, he wouldn't have won the gold medal. It's amazing. So and there's so many stories like that. If you do chunk it down, mm. and you're prepared to go and do the hard yards and, and live your life clean and do all that sort of stuff, quite often you get rewards. Understandably, yes, um, there needs to be a, a natural talent, or if you're a boxer. You've got to be a certain size, or yeah. you know, you've got to, or be able to take a punch. Exactly that. You know, if, you, if you're three foot four, you're not going to make a basketball player, I imagine. Yeah. But he's obviously he's he's in an Olympic final. Yeah. So he was a good swimmer. He yeah. just needed to add, add, add. And that's what the, the best seem to do as well. Have you noticed that the players have come back better this summer than in previous summers? Then is that sort of physically they have? Yeah. Yeah. They, they, they bettered everything they did last year. Um, so that that's the not an obvious mm. marker, not even a visual. You can see it, but it's it's there in numbers. Yeah. Um, you know, this is not to say that we're going to be successful this year, but they've they, they've proved that they're motivated, and we do need to add quality to the group. Um, you know, we're fully aware of that, but it's it's also difficult because we're not mm. financially. Uh, if you've got the smallest budget in the league, you feel? Yeah, I'd imagine so. We toss yeah. up between us and Morecambe. Mm. So, but that's again, they're the facts. So once the season starts, if we get beat, you won't hear me saying, "Well." Well, we've got the smallest budget in the league. Oh, well, we're only little. It's mm. like, well, they're the facts. Deal with it. Right. Well, we've dealt with it. Let's just crack on now. Yeah. Because once you start looking for excuses, then you know, and we might get, we might finish bottom of the league, mm. but it won't be for not turning every stone over in the best preparation. So one of the things we've said to the lads is, can we be, can we be everything? Can we be the best at everything in the league that doesn't cost money? 
So can we can we be the fittest? Can we have the best team spirit? Can we work the hardest? Can we be the most organised? Because we're going to go to clubs with yeah. 40, 50,000 seat stadiums. They'll have all singing or dances. Players on turning up in, I mean, mm. Range Rovers and, and Ferraris because there's there's that sort of money going around in our league now. Yeah. But if we, there's no point complaining. We can't compete against it. So how can we compete? So that's what we're trying to drive into the players at the minute. Well, football's a great sport for that, isn't it? Because we just had the Euros. Obviously, England and Italy got to the final. But I think about Denmark in 92, Greece winning it in 2004. There's examples, in, certainly in international football, of teams, and maybe you could argue your Burnley team as well, outperforming the, the raw ingredients on paper. Burnley do it every year. Mm. Um, I think this is what now their the sixth, seventh year going into the Premier League. And they, they spent a million pounds last year. <laughs> yeah, so there's clubs in our league spending more than that. Yeah. But they, they don't win the league every year. But they win every year, if that makes sense, yeah. because every year for them, staying in the league is winning. Uh, and supporters sometimes might not want to hear that, but they'll soon moan when they have to start going to Wickham yeah. in the Championship. I yeah. know, not now, but... Or, in the or, future, yeah. Well, like Stoke fans and things like that. Watch yeah, you get careful what you wish for. Sheffield Wednesday, yeah, this year. Mm. That's exciting, though, isn't it? Big teams like that. You know, you mentioned the stadiums. I've got friend who's a Sheffield Wednesday fan who's going to come down Tom White's a Sky Sports News presenter Sunderland fan as well February I think that game we're going to try and go to that one so mm. there's going to be a real excitement around the town you'd imagine lots of people coming to the town as well yeah it's look at Charlton Ipswich Portsmouth mm. uh, Sunderland Sheffield Wednesday so brilliant challenges yeah it's why you want to get promoted to go and play against in these better, against better players and in better stadiums and the challenge will be greater but you know, we will be We'll have a conversation in the next couple of weeks about right. Well, where where do we want to take it? But it has to be authentic and it has mm. to be uh, has to be doable. I spoke to Chris Hussey on the podcast just after the end of the season. He wasn't daunted by it at all in terms of having played at high level before. And I was trying to drill down on him. What is the difference? Is it time on the ball? Is it less time? More time? What is it? And he seemed to say there isn't actually that much of a physical difference that you'll notice on a Saturday. What do you think happens? Physically, it won't be. It's it's the spaces get tighter. Yeah. So you you watch the Euro finals and you see all 22 players within 20 yards because they're defending really low and they and the spaces to play around corners and things like that, they're just not there. Yeah. So the game's on a knife edge. It's, it's, it's at that level. So they're just mentally more focused in a sense about where they yeah, need to Yeah, but that be. takes technical ability as well to execute that final pass or mm. to, you know, you might only get two chances in the game yeah. so to, t- to take that chance. And that's, that is the difference. Physically, that our players are just as good physically as, as, as those lads. You, you, walk, you just walk past our lads. Yeah. Big six foot two, six foot three lads, biceps, chest, <laughs> fit, can run. Um, but that, that's, that's the modern game. That's the one thing that has changed in the last 20 years. It used to be in League Two, you see the blokes with the pot belly, and in the Premier League, they're all lean and cut to pieces. I think, I think that's gone out of the game now. I think the professionalism side of it mm. is, is a, lot, it's a lot more um, even across, across the board. Yeah, which you saw against Man City. That was a highlight last year, wasn't it? Yeah, brilliant game. Yeah, um, 1 0 to what, 78th minute, was it? 79th minute? I think we got to the 80th minute. 80th minute. Yeah, because someone told me. Uh, if it had been a rugby game, we'd have won it. <laughs> the Hooter would have gone, well, yeah. Been in, in, in locally with a uh, big rugby area, yeah. obviously that would have... Uh, but no, it was, a, it was a brilliant occasion for the players. Again, and, and it, sort of, it probably helped. It probably helped in terms of belief. Yeah. Because obviously that was in January and we were going well in the league. And it's like, well, well lads, if you keep Man City out, yeah. then you've got a chance of keeping most teams out in our league. You know, yeah. We brought three subs on. I think Sean Long hadn't played all season because he'd been injured. Mm. You know, Alex Adai hadn't made a 
a sub appearance, uh, never made a league uh, start all season, and they brought on 150 million pounds worth of players. Yeah, probably shows you the golf in the end. But, but, but it's why I love football, though. The, the long throw still was hard to defend, regardless of how much they get yeah, paid well, or what I, they've done. I, listen, we, I thought we played. It wasn't a case of they missed a million chances either. We had no. a good few chances. We we passed the ball quite well, and in the end, they just sort of wore the legs off us in the end, a bit like what England did in the semi-finals. Mm. In Denmark, they just kept moving it and moving it and moving it, and eventually you take the legs away and then the space has become bigger and then they take your chances. Yeah. Um, and, and that's what they did in the last 10 minutes. Our lads were just absolutely out on their feet. Mm. But in terms of the occasion and, and memories and doing themselves and the town proud, it was a brilliant day. Really important financially, wasn't it, for the club as well? That's yeah, helped it, yeah. The, the, no doubt about it that it kept the club... I'm not saying the club would have gone bust, but it definitely helped it with the, um, the TV money and all, all the commercial revenue that they made. Um, it definitely helped in terms of the the projected loss mm. I think they sort of covered that with with the FA Cup run and a couple of other things as well oh brilliant because it's such a tough year what was that like to manage in for that year weird it's for me it's been an unbelievable learning experience I've had I've had two and a bit seasons I've had a relegation battle I've had a failed playoff campaign yeah. we've won the league and we've played in a pandemic yeah now, a lot of managers wouldn't get that in 20 years no so it's been you've, you've had to learn a lot we've had to look after the players in the in the playoff campaign because they didn't know whether they were going to get paid, didn't mm. know whether they were going to get promoted, were we going to come back, was it safe to come back? We had players having babies at the time. Wow! So all that sort of anxiety around, yeah, unbelievable, yeah. So my job at that point was just trying to look after them, mm. make them feel. We had players in board meetings. Really? Yeah. Um, I, so it's just I, transparency of communication was that the key? Yeah, because yeah? we because the players are always going to ask questions, and rather than them asking questions to me and me going up through the chain, yeah. I managed to get the ball, and that's where the club are brilliant. The club allowed, uh, I've sort of like a leadership type group, four or five of the seniors, and they, mm. they were allowed to sit in. So the club went, well, this is where we're at. We might have to take pay cuts, but we don't, because obviously everyone during that first lockdown, there was definitely yeah. more questions than answers. Yeah. But the club were transparent enough to go, well, this is where we're at. We don't know anything, but this is where we're at. And the players were asking certain questions, and they didn't get many answers, but at least the club were showing willing in terms of, well, you yeah. might as well miss me out there's the players, there's the board, ask whatever you need to do because it is difficult. Is Well, we're coming back for the playoffs. Well, my wife's due in three weeks. I, I'm not sure I want to come back. Because of the anxiety over the coronavirus and stuff. And and is it yeah. safe? Is yeah. it going to affect my baby? And yeah. we've got other players who are early pregnancies. Mm. So, the, you know, they're all sort of these sort of things. You're just trying to look after their their menta uh, uh, mental health as much as anything. You don't have the budgets for the sort of exhaustive testing that was going on in the Premier League. And no, no, we, when we came back for the um, playoffs, we had to do that. Yeah. That's why the, the league, league One and League Two shut down. Because mm. it was costing, well, it was unsustainable. Yeah. Um, so obviously for the playoff campaign for that, I th we were only back three weeks, but it was testing twice a week and it was a huge expense. And not only that, it was expense to do all the testing, but then you'd have a courier to come and pick it up yeah. and take it to the lab and that was twice a week and that was I think that was eight or nine hundred pound every time you took courier to wow, a courier just to yeah to pick them all up and to take them back yeah. and um I suppose the lateral flow tests don't count do they the ones you do at home no they, 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 yeah. they, so all last season we had to do that mm. and then obviously there was a positive case it was a, the PCR test now we don't actually have to actively test 
mm. it's you just go on. There's still protocols going on, but even now it's ever changing. Yeah, I can't keep up with it. Well, I think in August I was going to say, is it going to be a relief for you? The quarantine rules are adjusting slightly, aren't they? Even you mentioned players with kids who previously you'd have to isolate if someone in their class had a positive test, whereas now I think it's only if you yourself have a positive test or show symptoms. Or whatever. yeah, I think so. Um, you know, I've had it myself. My oldest. Had it about uh, had it a month ago, so we all had to isolate for. So it's I think it's just the individual now. Yeah. The fear is we have lads living in houses together. Mm. So you've got four lads living in a house, and if one of them gets it and the other three symptom free and testing negative. Yeah. Which happens, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, of course it does, and then it's it's oh, that, that could be a third of your team mm. knocked out. Yeah. If they're all in a team, so it's and with a, a size a squad that we've got, we can't afford that to happen. So it is a little bit up in the air. Um, we're sort of learning it feels like you know fingers crossed we've never been here before but we're inching towards learning to live with it as opposed to sort of having to shelter from it in a sense yeah I think so I think it's again you probably know more than me I'm not particularly versed in all this sort of stuff mm. but it's I don't think it's quite got to the point of it's got it's just turned into the common cold just get on with it no. but I think it's sort of edging more towards that way than what we were 18 months ago when it was yeah it was like you know the full con- the whole country was in full lockdown have the players been vaccinated or had the option to be vaccinated if they want to be? I or? think... Uh, so obviously younger guys generally, aren't they? Yeah, I, th- I don't know. I think most of them have had the first one. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think there's a couple that have abstained, but you know, I, I can't get involved free, in that. Free will, isn't Exactly it? Yeah. that. Yeah, so yeah. I've had both mine, so yeah. I just look after me and my family. When might not be able to go to Ibiza now, so it might be a good thing yeah, if, I, I think if the players have they can't. might have Ibiza days are longer. <laughs> but for the, uh, the players as well. Um, what did you, we were talking about the Euros and we exchanged texts about, and I, and I always forget that obviously you're a Northern Ireland, not that I don't forget, but in my mind you're a sort of Cheltenham guy, but you're obviously Northern Irish as well, represented your country, so I know you weren't quite maybe as emotionally involved in it as the rest of us, but what did, what did you reflect on, on England and Gareth Southgate, what, the performance? I thought they were brilliant. I thought um, there's a big, I'm in a WhatsApp group with a lot of my mates and after the Scotland game, they're like, oh, Southgate's this and Southgate's yeah. that, and I'm like, what do you think? I said, well, they've got, four, good. they've got four points. They haven't conceded a goal. They're through to the next round with a game in hand. I don't understand what the big fuss is about. Mm. But because of the hype around England, and the, the problem, I see it slightly different to a lot of my friends because I'm on the other side of the fence. Yeah. The, the, problem, the supporters will always be right because they'll always have hindsight. Yeah. So when, when you lose, you never pick the right team. So, <laughs> you know, and he made some brave calls, Gareth, even mm. right up to the f- final minute of the, of the final. Yeah. But he was prepared to live and die by his decisions, because you know you, you look at game, and you look at the talent they've got on the bench. So if he plays Saka, Sterling, and Kane, mm. and they lose, well, he should have played Sancho and Grealish. Yeah, yeah. And and that's the thing. Supporters will always be right. You'll never beat. You'll never prove a supporter wrong because they'll always have the when the final whistle blows and the result. Well, you should have played him. Should have played him. Should have played. You've got to live and die by your convictions. We were talking before about personality types and managers and where you always uh, whether it's that need to attack a game or need to maybe defend and hold what you get which I suppose England had in the semis in 2018 against Croatia and then they had it recently against Italy just wonder is that partly how managers would look at someone like Jack Grealish completely differently I I don't know the situation at all I don't know I sort of know Gareth a little bit I don't know Jack Grealish Mm. at all but there seems to be a lack of trust Mm. so if you flip on the flip side to that I'm good mates with Kieran Trippier but Every time England have a, we can't lose this game, Trips plays. Yeah. So the first game in the tournament he Left plays. Right. Um, the Germany game, he plays. Mm. He, sta- he, um, he starts the final. And there's other games where, maybe not so important, the Scotland game, it is to the supporters, <laughs> but in terms of like, they've won the first game. 
Yeah. So now I want to play a four three three because we we can be a bit more attacking. So I don't need like mm. to be and as it, as it, pragmatic. And in a four Walker maybe just offered that speed of recovery over Stones and Maguire that maybe Trippier that's not Trippier's greatest asset. Yeah, but, yeah. It's, it, but ultimately you look at the players that start the final. They're the ones that I think I saw. I think one of the on the, on the coverage it was the players that played the most minutes since Gareth's taken over. Mm. They all started the final because yeah. they're the ones he trusts the most. So it's it's difficult because supporters want you to you know, again in conversations with mates. It's like where why are we do look at all this attacking talent <laughs> and all this, but you you've got to do every yeah. part of the game. So you look at Italy. I thought Italy were brilliant. I thought they were the best team in the tournament. Mm. Uh, and in the fight, you know, they, they demolished Turkey in the first game, and I thought they were excellent in the in the final. The way they went one 0 down, they but, adjusted, didn't they? But they showed another side to them against Spain because mm. Spain dominated the ball and they showed a completely, you know, a resilience, uh, a doggedness to see the to get to the end of the game. Mm. So they've done everything really, really well. I think I thought they were the probably the deserved winners. I know. Penalty is a terrible way to lose, but I thought over the 120 minutes, I thought they were the better team anyway. It's a tough challenge, isn't it? I think when you go 1 0 up early in that game, you'd know more than me, but because of the psychology of England, I suppose, even though it's at Wembley, you look at it and think Italy won four World Cups, they've won the Euros before, we're the underdog, so you would naturally, even if you're on top in that game, and it looked like the Southgate, the way to set them up, had, had exposed Italy a little bit. You know, Di Lorenzo hadn't picked up Luke Shaw at the far post, and you suddenly thought, well, we've got them on the hop, but then maybe there's that natural inclination just to sink back and protect what you have and you talk about that last season sometimes with Cheltenham you have that dilemma it's it's difficult it's uh, you can score too early because yeah. it's like oh look at what we could lose because at that moment there it's in your hands yeah first trophy since 66 players aren't stupid they know what's at stake mm. um, and it is a subconscious decision everyone says 2-0 is a dangerous score like, it isn't really but if they do score the next the opposition do score the next goal then all of a sudden you go oh yeah. and it's like hold on a sec You've been winning. You've been played seventy minutes. <laughs> you've been playing a certain way. You go turn it up, and then they score, and all of a sudden everyone panics. But it's it's obviously a it's a human, yeah. It's a human response. It's protect what you have rather than you're winning. You don't yeah. need to score another goal. Do you think is, is there like a cultural belief that we have as English people? You know, you've been a Northern Irishman, but when we're in those situations, because I looked up the populations of Italy and England, and Italy's sixty million, England's fifty-five, and I thought. Hang on a minute, we've got five professional leagues. I know Steve Holland referenced that and said this is why we deserve, England deserves to do better because we've got so much football focus, there's so much professional football in the country. Then you think England have been to two finals, both at Wembley. And I know this wasn't a home tournament, but it was definitely skewed six of the seven games being at, at Wembley. Do you think that, that does that infect players in a way at a certain level? Like, oh, we're English, we don't win these tournaments? Uh, I don't know. I'm sure there's been a lot of money spent on, yeah. on that sort of side of it. But I think the four, the four teams in the semi final all played their group games at home. Mm. So I think it was definitely uh, <laughs> yeah. it was definitely um, tilted towards the the teams yeah. that were, were playing at home clearly because they all got to the final. You look at what Wales had go around the yeah. world fourteen times or something yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, so, um, yeah, so it, it, I think it wasn't particularly balanced the way the uh, the way they set it up. But I do think the two best teams got through mm. to the final. Yeah, it's in, in that thread with Southgate is what you're trying to that cultural thing that seems to be a, a real bent of modern football, doesn't it? Because I hear remember stories in the '90s about managers wouldn't even go in for the whole week and they come in on Friday and pick the team and it'd just be based on who they thought the best players were. But you're being there every day and it's that human side of it. Well, that's one thing he is. I've met Gareth a few times and he's he just comes across exactly what you see him on the TV. Just a nice bloke. Mm. But people assume there's his kindness for a weakness before, so they say, oh, he's just. He's not roof. You look at some of the decisions he's made. He's ruthless. He's obviously tactically aware. Mm. So, just because he's not 
beating his chest and headbutting the walls and, and doing all this sort of thing doesn't mean he's not passionate yeah and it's like you say people do often take your kindness for a weakness but he's he's made big big you know, there's a huge clamour for Grealish to play and by the way I think he's a brilliant player he just holds the ball that's what I find amazing about him you know when if, even playing at low levels you have that fear as you step up but he just seems to be the same almost if he's in the park yeah, with his mates exactly saying. that give me the ball I'll take someone on yeah um, but, but Gareth stuck to his guns and then well the fact that he put him on and took him off mm. and he did the same in the final it's almost an unwritten rule in football that you can't do that but he's quite prepared to do whatever it takes he changed the formation every game changed, changed the players every game so he's you know they're, they're big big calls and he knows that because I think he said it after one of the games he said well if I get it wrong I'm I'm dead. Yeah. Obviously, he's not dead, but he's, in terms of his. Yeah, he carries that the, weight from '96, doesn't he? Well, on his shoulders, and, yeah. and the media, the, the British media, they they either laud you or they thumbs down a sort yeah. of scenario. So it's um, no, he's he's really really good bloke, but ruthless with that as well. Time's pressing. I know you got you're busy trying to recruit players, but just want to touch on the social media. Obviously, there's been an outpouring of support for the players who were racially abused and suffered other kinds of abuse on social media after the game. How do you handle social media with your players? Because you, we've mentioned before that sometimes it can be a different thing in League Two or League One now, because it can almost be players trying to live up to a lifestyle that maybe is beyond their means. It's something that you try and have to factor in with the social media use and the Instagram culture and things like that. I try not to get Alice to comment on our football club. Mm. Um, just because I don't think they need to get themselves involved. So, at our level, it's you know it drives me mad, and I'm a dinosaur when it comes to this sort of thing. But you see, you see a player go, you win three 0 someone goes, "Oh, fans were great today," knowing that they're going to get a load of responses just Same. telling them how great they are. Yeah. But when when they get beat three 0 I guarantee they don't put anything out. <laughs> the player. So yeah. it, it can be. So you have to be prepared, mentally strong enough to well, take the flag. It's it's listen. It can be used as a brilliant platform in terms of even our lads used it during the first lockdown they do, they all shaved their heads off and they raised a lot of money for yeah. charity so it can be used unbelievably positive um, you know people at Marcus Rashford and a lot of footballers make a lot of money and they get a bit of a hard time sometimes mm. but you do leave yourself open for and a lot of it is I think they've actually tracked to a lot of the abuse from abroad mm. Um, it can be twisted can't it people can actually have nefarious not even if they're genuine it sounds a weird thing to say but they might be genuinely hateful and racist or it could be people from abroad trying to do it almost to create just civil unrest in this country yeah it's, but I think the backlash it's almost like there was an initial backlash of the, the three lads that missed the penalty but then mm. they've managed to flip that into an unbelievable positive I was listening to the radio coming to yours and they're at the Marcus Rashford Memorial Yeah, and the, you know, there's thousands of people there and it, it, hopefully that unbelievable negative can be, can get pushed and pushed and mm. pushed again and, and, and try and flip every negative into a positive because I understand the platforms that they these these lads have and they can create but from from terms of our lads it's it's just be careful commenting on the football club yeah so comment on other things and, and, and you just what, don't want them to get mentally affected by that do you either which I think even if Cheltenham Town level you don't want them to get a direct message of someone saying you were rubbish today or because it still they'll carry people. that yeah. They'll, they'll, you get one person. It's, everyone knows it, but it's it's hard to carry. It. It's you, you get one, you get twenty five people to say how well you played today, and someone said, "I thought you were useless." Yeah, that's the one you go to bed thinking about. Yeah, and a lot of the time, if it was the man in the street, you just go, "Yeah, all right, mate," but because you can't see who it is, yeah. you don't know who's saying it, and it seems to carry more weight when it's sort of a faceless, yeah, uh, anonymous person. 
Um, it was written down as well. It resonates more, doesn't it? I don't know what, why. It's, yeah. You can picture it in your head. And you go through it again, you look at it again, you look at it mm. again. But um, in terms of what you're saying before, sometimes I think a lot of, this is not our lads, I think a lot of young footballers in general, they want the lifestyle of mm. what they perceive a footballer to be. Yeah. So the Love Island generation, I call it. <laughs> so they want, you know, they want, they want to look good. They want they want a nice watch. They want a nice yeah. car. They want the in influenced girlfriend and all things like that. Clothes, so, yeah. stuff that's beyond not the girlfriend, but the material stuff that maybe beyond what they're earning at the time. Well, exactly that. And it's like, well, what I tell our lads all the time, even the young boys, it's like, well, you look after what goes on the pitch. All that comes to you. You don't need to chase it. Mm. So you look at all the top boys. They they've got everything they need. Yeah. They don't need to go chasing all that. Or, or sometimes they like the limelight. Certain people, certain personalities, but they can never take their eye off the football. And sometimes I think young people sort of get that, get that wrong. Yeah. Whereas I just wanted to be a footballer when I grew up. And I did okay in the end. Well, you did more than okay. But, but that, was, yeah. that, was my, that was my sole focus. I didn't, I didn't want to be a footballer because I wanted to drive a nice car. Mm. I wanted to be a footballer because I wanted to be a footballer. Whereas now I think motivation and goals seem to be slightly skewed. It's also about energy, isn't it? Mental energy and sort of emotional energy. Because you mentioned before about what your players do when they leave the club. What do you ideally want them to do? Do you want them to rest? Can they play golf? I know you're a golf fan. Can they do things like that? Or is that draining as well? How no, I think there's, uh, there, there needs to be a balance. It's, it's not work hard, play hard. But there's, mm. it's, it's a, a little example, even, even in the warm-up. So I don't mind them talking and having a laugh in the warm-up. But when they do that one little exercise through the drill, mm. you focus for that 10-yard run. And then you have a jog and you have a chat. and thing, but then, So that's sort of like a real condensed version of that I, so I let them go on a Christmas day mm. um, I let them have a beer at certain times and go and have a round of golf the lads had a game of golf the other day they said it's pre-season you wouldn't normally play but mm. right lads you've had a hard day you can, Thursday you can do it Yeah. So because th again we talk about bal life balance at the start of it they can't be 100% focused and tuned no. in and only eat uh, <laughs> vegetables and protein shakes and drink water because it's unsustainable so go back to the right at the start of the conversation yeah. Of talking about me or their training. No, when to rest, when to relax as well. Yeah, it needs to be authentic. So work hard, but know when to relax. So it's it, and again, it's getting and that's what our lads do, do seem to have got that balance right. How many players are you trying to bring in before August the seventh? Uh, before the deadline, sorry. It's difficult to give you an exact number because yeah. well, we do have an exact, uh, we do have a, a perfect number, but whether we get there or not, yeah. Um, the players know there'll be players coming in. Yeah. It's a difficult market because we, we've gone up a league. So to get an experienced League One player, we can't afford. Mm. Because what, the agent turns around and says, well, you're in League One now. Yeah. So you should be able to pay this. It's like, put my holes away from that. <laughs> so you're looking for potential, are you? So we, we might have to go down the loan route. Mm. Um, and then again, that proves its own problems because you're always waiting for the Premier League teams to let them go. Because mm. they want to keep them around for the first couple, two or three weeks of pre-season. Because of the Euros, that's going to get pushed back again. Yeah. So there's a sort of like a... Sort of domino effect, is there? Always is. And where we are in the food chain, we have to wait. Yeah. So we are still looking. It's not, it's not through... Uh, there's the helicopter you talked yeah. about. <laughs> I, know, uh, it's probably, that, I like living in the centre of Shelton, but it yeah. gets quite noisy. I'm not sure what they're looking for, but hopefully not us. It's all the robbers, mate. It's living in that rough area, yeah. Shelton. <laughs> <you're looking. laughs> yeah. Probably um, they're after me. Um, you're arrested in a minute. It's... Yeah, it's, it's not through uh, lack of trying, um, exhausting every avenue. Yeah, we've hit the post on a few players, um, but it is what it is. We'll, we'll, whatever we start the season with, even if we had to start the season with the group we've got right here, right now, 
I'd be confident for the first three or four games. I'm, it, it probably won't be enough to get you through the season. Yeah. Um, but, but we know we will get bodies in. And, but I have to be careful with what I bring in because the group's so tight as well. I don't want to. I don't want to poison the group by bringing in any Tom, Dick, or Harry, or a good player, but a bit of an egg mm. who's going to be hard. So you're researching working. a lot of the personality side of it. As as much as we can, yeah. Yeah. Um, not that they do at the top level. You know, they they send people on holiday to secretly to watch these people play the players <laughs> and things like that now. So it's. But when you're spending millions and millions and millions, you, you, you're going to go to that. They, they used to have people like what training grounds do they sort of on the side? No, I, I know. I know fact that. Uh, Liverpool tried. Well, Liverpool did sign a player five, six years ago. Yeah, and they were unsure on his personality, so they found out where he was going on holiday with his mates, and they sent someone to the same hotel and basically spied on him for really? a week to try wow. and find out what he's really like away from football. Wow. And they signed him. Oh, so that's good. Sign. But when you but when you're spending, if you include a transfer fee and the wages over a five year, and it could be fifty, sixty, seventy, eighty million pounds. Yeah, you, you, you want to know what you're signing. It's, no, it's interesting though with smartphones and then people actually even physically spying on you. There's no privacy for these guys at the top, no, is there? No, um, And then you go back to the social media thing, you know, things that come back. I played with Andre Gray and mm. he, he put a couple of tweets out when he was 15 or 16. Yeah. He scored his first goal against Liverpool in the Premier League and all of a sudden these tweets from eight years ago pop mm. up. So that, again, you've got to be careful yeah, yeah. that you are... Uh, you know, it's just happened with the England lads, uh, yeah. with, with the cricket. cricket. Cricket team, yeah. So there's, a lot of, there's a lot of kind of retrospective sort of judgment of people and like you say you'll change don't you? yeah right. and, and we do the same we, we we when we're signing players we do try and have a look at all that sort of thing try and, and you make phone calls and this football's a village mm. so you'll always know someone that will know someone who knows him yeah and quite often you'll go oh i'm not sure i can put my name to him because of this you know right i want to take him there yeah because i have to protect my group because we've worked so hard to get it as tight as we have i don't want to don't want to ruin it well, yeah, I mean, one of your key things, just to finish, is transparency. And you, when you mentioned at the top about what your ambitions were, what would be an offer for you that would tempt you? Because obviously people really respect what you've done at Cheltenham. When, when they look at it, what would be a tempting offer? Is it championship at least that you'd look at? Or? I've, well, I've made, no, I've made uh, no secret of the fact that I want to move on. Mm. But for when or where, or they're all things that I'm not in control of. So until something comes up that I need a decision to make, I'll make that decision. But it wouldn't be a surface level, oh, they're higher in the league, so let's go to them kind of thing. No, there's so many, it wouldn't be, it needs to be, it needs to be, it's the same as everyone else in every job. Mm. It needs to be, is it a realistic job? Are they good people to work for? What's the salary like? Mm. Whereabouts in the country is it? Is it good for my family? Mm. So it's, the, the, football's no different to anything else. People assume that, oh, you just go for a penny more. Yeah. It, it, it isn't always the case, because people in life make the same decisions mm. so it needs to be right for me it needs to be right for my family it needs to be right for the football club you know it's, I'm, I need to leave Cheltenham in a better state so I'm not just going to jump and go mm. f- to I, I couldn't it's hard for me to say because it hasn't happened yet mm. you know there's been a, a, a few little things but there's been no approaches I've not been offered a job anywhere else but I do want to move on yeah but I don't think too far ahead because but that's about that honesty and transparency is key, isn't it? Because sometimes people talk about this loyalty in football, but actually that doesn't go anyway. Because if, if a player start, stops performing, a club will let him go. And well, as, soon as, as soon as you can't run anymore, you're yeah. retired. Yeah, yeah. The sports don't think about loyalty that side of it. Like I, I had 12 years at Burnley, but as soon as the manager decided I couldn't run anymore, that's it, you're done. <laughs> um, which is, but, so it's honesty, yeah. Well, yeah, but I'd be disappointed if I employed a manager. I'd be disappointed if he didn't want to move on. No. Because it means I've got to do well here. Mm. So as soon as I take my eye off the ball and start looking a little bit too far down the road, I've tripped up and I've been sacked. Yes. 
So my focus is 100%, as we talked about, chunk it right down, is get pre-season right and then concentrate on the first game. And if we win the first two games of the season, you might get an approach. Yeah. But you might not. No. So... And things like geography are important. It's funny, I always think of Harry Redknapp. I think he did some consulting at Derby, didn't he, eventually, where they flew him up in a helicopter. But I'm pretty sure that in his career, he was never a full-time manager anywhere north of London. So yeah. I think it was always South Coast. And, well, he's Sandbanks, isn't he? So yeah. it's, uh, but it, they're, they're, they're the same conversations, if it ever happens. And you know, I'm under no illusions. I might lose the first 10 games of the season and get their sack. Because like you said, there is no loyalty in football. Hmm. But I've just got to focus on the here and now. And we talked about looking too far ahead and young young people looking for well earning more money and getting this and getting that well, if I look after the if I look after the football pitch if I yeah. look after the 11 people whoever they are at any one moment that are playing for Cheltenham Town if I get them right all the time it does well for the football team it does well for the players and hey it looks good on me yeah control the controllables is it? but yeah. there's no getting away from the fact so it's not oh do it for me lads it's not do it for yourself <laughs> but a byproduct of that is it good for the club and it's good for me so it's all a win-win basically it's culture yeah, it has everyone, to yeah. be because it, once it's in as once the players go well he's only in it for himself mm. they're but, like well I'm not sure about that but, but the players might get offers as well well this is you know so the hardest part of football is getting everyone's noses pointing in the right direction mm. because they're all sort of independent uh, companies because mm. they've all got their own they've all got their own agendas they've all at different stages of their career they've all got They've all got an ego, mm. so it's trying to get them all to sort of, and that's the hard part. Well, let's have the common goal that we talked about earlier. Can we can we get a common goal? Can we get them pointing in the right direction? Can we get them all pulling and doing the right things for because for the greater good? Because it looks good on all of us. Yeah. So even so, we released lads at the end of last season, mm. but they'll get a club next year because they got released from a club that won the league. Yeah. Yeah. So even though they've been released, was that one of the harder things you've had to do? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, it always is. It is when I retired. The first thing you got to do is release under eighteen players. Uh, that, that's you know that's their sort of like that's a kid's dream. That you sort is of that just, an acid test for you as a coach as they put you in that? Oh, it's part of the job. Yeah, it's it's not nice. It's not comfortable. It's but it's 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 tough decisions. You have, mm. you have to make it. You know, you got an eighteen year old lad crying his eyes out because you've basically just broken his broken yeah. his, his childhood dream. And what do you say? Because you can't say you, in a way you say don't give up because people are recycled through the game. But another way you think well. You know, go and get an education, do something else. I don't say too well. much because they don't listen. No. So once you break the initial news, they've switched off. Yeah. Um, so I normally I normally follow it up with another conversation afterwards, Maybe about with, a week later. With the parents uh, or? Yeah, and obviously they're, with, they're in the academy, so I don't actually deliver now. Mm. But when I was in the 18s, I delivered the bad news, and then I would catch up with them because I had a personal relationship with them. Um, but And I'm the perfect example, I'll tell them, don't give up. Yeah, it's a resilience. It's, a, it's an asset. Forest, Forest let you go for being too small, and now yeah, well, towering. Darlington, defender. Swindon, they all did. But it's how I got at least three times at 14, 15, and seventeen. Mm. But it's how you react. You talk about mentality. It's the talent gets you in the room. But what's your resilience? What's your mentality? What's your determination? Like they're all the things that, if you're going to make it in this, it's a hard, it's a hard industry, very hard industry to mm. to survive in. And yeah. that's all it is. It's a it's a game of survival. So. It's all great at the minute because everyone's like, oh, well done, you won the league, but I'm under no illusions. What's coming next year? Mm. With the fans in as well this year. <laughs> well, that'd be good, though. It's a positive. Yeah, it, no, it's desperate for f fans to come back. Yeah. Um, the players probably are because they can't hear me shout. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I think even we've, we, we played a pre-season friendly last night against Evesham and there was, I think there was 500 people. All right. And it, it's just nice to hear a buzz. Yeah. And... and Hearing the referee get a little bit of stick, or just a, you know, <laughs> what was the score like? What was the score last night? Oh, we won three 0 Okay, uh, but it was a good run out, um, and it was 
it's you know someone someone makes a good tackle there's a little ripple yeah and it's 500 people but it's not the point it's the fact that there's people there it's like uh, it's the motion and energy and yeah the it's the, it's the test it, events yeah. you know when there's there's 20,000 at Wembley and it's mm. I went I did the playoff games for Sky yeah I think there was I think there was 10 10 12,000 yeah it doesn't half make a difference and 10,000 10, at Wembley is nothing Mm. But it, it makes an unbelievable difference. And players feed off that energy. Yeah. And, and to do it every week, which they did last year, is why they deserve all the credit they, they've, they've had and they've got. Because unprecedented to do it in a condensed season every week with no crowds, it was great. As local friendlies, it's funny, I played for Perth under 18, scored a header from the edge of the box against Evesham United when I was 17 or something like that. Cool, so you that was, uh, now, yeah. I know, yeah. <laughs> the glory years. That was the best moment of my career, I think. But <laughs> Not the penalty miss yeah. you talked about earlier. No, no, I missed a couple of horrible penalties, left-footed. I don't know whether, it was, apparently left-footers are more likely to miss, I think. I'm not sure that's true or not. Because yeah, you go to the, you tend to go to the goalie's stronger left. hand. So I think maybe like you go to their right or something like that, typically. But Keepers left, got, lefties normally go to yeah. the whip it. Yeah, it's, the whip always seems a bit more dangerous, doesn't it, to go across. Yeah. But... Um, yeah, so yeah, it's nice to play as local clubs, isn't it, as well, for them to give them the Yeah, no, it's, it, we played Cinderford on Saturday. It was our first game. It was their centenary year. Mm. So, obviously, these these clubs have, have really suffered because they've had no income whatsoever. Now, I know they haven't had to pay players, but they've, they've still got to try and upkeep the ground, upkeep the pitches and all that sorts of things. So, you know, my mum and dad, for example, they live locally and I could have got them free tickets last night. But, like, no, no, these, these, these clubs are, are really desperate for yeah. that. And that 500 people... Last night, all having a few pints, it was nice weather, a few burgers, hopefully it'll generate a little bit to help them well, claw back what they've probably lost over the last 18 months because their seasons have been completely shut down. Yeah, it's been such a tough time. Michael, look, really appreciate your time. Thank you for stopping by. No worries, a cup mate. of coffee and me grilling you as well yeah. on every aspect of coaching and, and Cheltenham. But good luck with the rest of the pre-season, all the, the signings and catch up in the, in the new season after August the 7th. Crew, isn't it, the first game? Yep, yep, crew. So it's... Uh, well, we played them last year in the FA Cup and they were in our league the year before, so we know them quite well. So, no, it'd be, it'd be a tough game. Good, good players, good manager. Good man. Speak to you soon, Michael. Thank you. See you, mate. Really appreciate Michael Duff's time. You know, it's funny as he was getting out, going, going off into his car, actually, bumped into a guy who's come around, one of our childhood friends from this area, Malvern in the, in the west of England, who actually played for Kidderminster under 18s as a goalkeeper Kidderminster Harriers so Michael was saying that probably may have played each other I think there's a couple of years apart Mark the the sort of uh, I guess what is he a builder a constructor sort of uh, all-round tradesman he was uh, just saying that yeah he played for Kidderminster and maybe they would have crossed swords at some point because Michael was a couple of years older but played uh, under 17 under 18 level for Cheltenham Town so he's there Great, doing a great job as as manager. Brutal, radical candor, isn't he, about the situation in football? The loyalty situation. It's okay if it's a win-win. Everyone's winning. It's good, but ultimately, you have to be ambitious. You have to aspire, and hopefully, for Cheltenham's sake, he stays at least for the next season and stabilizes in that League One. And who knows how how far they can go? Difficult. You haven't got the money, but also, as he says, there you're offering something else—a good culture, which seems to be so much of the key. And hopefully, you know, wider reflecting on the Euros that English football starts to develop a culture of belief around winning. And that may be some of the reasons why historically England hasn't won many tournaments relative to teams with or countries with similar populations like Italy. But just brilliant to have him there and really honest and very much appreciate his time. Real thinker and interesting that he's now studying a degree in football management up at Liverpool University, ever learning, ever looking to evolve, which is a good 
kind of template for everyone, isn't it? In all walks of life that you never rest upon your laurels. And maybe that's something we can all take some inspiration from, which is kind of why I started the podcast, the idea of sport and life connecting the threads about what we learn from sport and how it can influence our life, whether it's a practical playing of sport or the inspirational characters of professional sport, like Michael, who's a player, went through those eight leagues up to the Premier League and then as a, a manager, such a successful start in such a baptism of fire in terms of the conditions, the challenge of, of turning Cheltenham around from a team that was seemingly threatened by relegation at the bottom of the Football League, but then also the challenge of this pandemic and how Cheltenham Town as a football club, like lots of small football clubs that rely on gates, rely on ticket sales that they've been able to survive is is incredible. And as he says, that cup run in the game against Manchester City, mighty Manchester City, Premier League champions ultimately at the end of the season that they were able to do that go in front of the 78th minute but that made got some money in and look forward to getting the fans back boosting the coffers but boosting the atmosphere down at Wadden Road and I look forward to going down and watching Cheltenham Town play my local club next season thank you to you for listening thank you to the sponsors Bang Olufsen of Cheltenham and Serene AV who are also sponsors of Cheltenham Town I know as well they are specialists in some of the finest home entertainment brands providing solutions based around high quality customer service and installations get in touch with bang Olufsen on their social media bno cheltenham bno underscore cheltenham i believe on instagram and twitter and you can obviously look up the website bang Olufsen of cheltenham on the website um look forward to seeing those boys on saturday and play with them hopefully my touch is in i played one game of football i think it was a five aside in about a year and a half due to lockdown etc so that's going to be interesting. Uh, but yeah, get in touch with Bang Olufsen Cheltenham for a quote. Not Again, doesn't have to be Bang Olufsen equipment. Could be bespoke home entertainment, whatever you're looking for, through Serene AV, the sister company. And also, if you are looking to optimize your immunity, food-based supplement company, Cytoplan, C-Y-T-O-P-L-A-N. My father, Dr. Mark Draper, has worked as a consultant for Cytoplan. My dad being a keen nutritionist, micronutritionist, has lectured in that, and particularly trace elements like selenium and zinc are an area of focus for him. But we do pay for the supplements still, but at a discounted rate, which we can offer for you. But he's uh, been a big supporter. We've taken them for 20 years plus, and you can uh, look at this, the range. Maybe it's a, a multivitamin you're looking for. We take the Immune Complete range at the moment, Immune Complete 2, along with fish oil. And you can uh, get yours at cytoplan.co.uk, C-Y-T-O-P-L-A-N.co.uk, discount code DRAPER10R, my last name, D-A-R-P-E-R, all capital letters, the numerals one zero and the capital letter R. If you enjoyed the podcast, please do tell someone about it, put it on the internet, pass it on on social media, or just refer it to a friend verbally. Always appreciate that. And sometimes it's more meaningful, isn't it? If you actually go out of your way to refer something, I always take those referrals pretty seriously and often listen to podcasts that friends, trusted people in my life recommend, but also rate it on iTunes if you could or, or whatever platform you're listening on. I know there's 12 or 13 platforms it is on now, audio only, sort of tempted maybe to start video at some point, but we shall see. Thank you for listening, guys. Appreciate your time. Bye for now.